What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome back to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I'm a clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? Uh-huh. Will there be science? Uh-huh. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Uh-huh. <laughs> How high can you go? Uh-huh. <laughs> Just going up and up and up, you know? The Michael Jackson. I'm going to run out of those pretty soon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run out of everything. Pretty soon, I think. I'm going to start talking. I'm going to be like, the thing about trauma is, and it's going to be the same thing. <laughs> I did have somebody reach out this week on the podcast. Uh, I was like, I heard you give this example about a flamingo and a pink bird. And I was like, wait, have I listened to this episode before? <laughs> and I was like, no, you're just giving the same examples. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think it's a good one. It is um, a good we one. We had a lovely, a lovely chat in the DMs. The DMs are popping off. I love it. I love it so love much. It. How are you? I am good. I had an interesting week and I feel like I, I like asking you or talking to you about this stuff because you're you're in the biz. You're in the, the biz. <laughs> but I kind of broke up with my therapist this week. Okay. Um, in a way It's that not me. It was it, not me. <laughs> yeah. You're not the therapist. But um yeah, it was a really interesting situation of like I don't know that that's what I wanted to happen, but it kind of felt like that's what needed to happen. And Oof. you Isn't know, that I, funny the like relationship dynamic of therapy is so well. They're people, right? It's like Th- sometimes, are. sometimes I you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Therapists are people. Sometimes it's like I, I so like my deference to authority figures is so mm-hmm. like. It's so strong, and I feel like the you know my parents are just humans, and like teachers are just humans. My boss is just you know it's it's these things that I have to remind myself sometimes. And this person who was I was confiding in when I was mm-hmm. in such a fragile place, maybe right. the most fragile place I've ever been in, right. felt like yeah, I there was a power imbalance. It kind of felt like, mm-hmm. and you know, not every person or therapist would uh like play into that I think but maybe there was some of that going on here and it was interesting because 
a lot of the work that that we did and she honestly was the best therapist I've ever had like I made the most progress in my life Mm -hmm. I made so many changes I've like accomplished so much and a lot of the the things that we worked on was like setting boundaries and kind of uh standing up for myself and like Mm -hmm. taking up my own space and having authority over myself kind of taking accountability for like me and myself and you know I started doing that in my life and I just saw all these like positive things and then it kind of was becoming like I was realizing more and more that um she was someone who I needed to kind of like stand my ground with a little bit and and there was some she would like move around uh, appointments a lot there would mm-hmm. be times where you know three four times a week she would change the time or oh my God. the yeah. calendar invite uh on my calendar would be wrong um from the mm-hmm. time that we discussed like the, yeah and i would reach out to her to ask to clarify and she would act like it you know why am i asking again mm. um and so you know it, it was stuff like that and just a little bit of the tough love kind of approach that has been really helpful in pushing me forward, but it's also been really damaging, you know, like, yeah, of like, I'm so successful, but I feel like shit about myself, mm-hmm. you know. And so it kind of was interesting in that it turned into one of these dynamics that I've had before in my life. Right. And it almost felt uh, like karmic that the last test of, I guess, you know, me graduating from this therapist was being, yeah. like setting that boundary with her setting a boundary with the therapist yeah um which concluded our time together <laughs> in <laughs> doing that so kind yeah. of um yeah it was like a really interesting experience like profoundly impactful but also really hard you know i really guess like hard. most things and a little it was a little more it, it gave you the understanding of yourself to know that you were being mistreated it took a while (laughs) yeah that you hadn't been able to recognize previously so it was helpful and also not sustainable i mean your relationship with your therapist is a relationship just like with your friends with your family it is a a relationship and it's tricky sometimes because often people go to therapy for Mm self-improvement and just the nature of aligning with your therapist that you as self need improvement can in some way sort of buy in on this fact that as you are, the day you show up at therapy is not enough, is not yeah. good, is not whole, is not any of those things. And sometimes that as a therapist, you can buy in on that unknowingly. Yeah. And I, I think that like me showing up that way mm-hmm. was you know, something that, that she really like, she helped me so much, but in a way that I, you know, I was telling myself, like, am I just being overly sensitive? All of these Mm. things that I do. The chorus that Um, women, particularly women who live their lives as a person of color, as marginalized identities, anybody, queer people, like just this idea of like, "Mm, you sure you're not just complaining? Yeah. Like, I feel like my one of my issues is I I think too many things are my fault. Like it's yeah. easier for me to do that. Yeah. And a lot of her feedback felt like, well, you're like you know, and I, I think I was taking it the wrong way of like 
you you need to take accountability for your role in that for like you allowed someone to treat you badly you need to mm. take accountability for that and that could be a very powerful thing to be like hey you actually had more control in this dynamic where you could have said walked away or, or set mm-hmm. a boundary but I took that as someone who did not have practice in that you as like this. I it's my fault just like yeah. I thought and so it, it was this very like challenging and it's a hard challenging balance right lessons. because you want to empower somebody to say you have the ability to change this yeah um how do you and, walk that line because i feel like that's a common thing you know i heard somebody say something once that really uh i i think about a lot and i'm not sure that it's the right thing but i think it's along the line they were talking about treating um like eating disorders mm-hmm. or things like that in terms of empowering somebody And they said, you know, at the end of the day, your situation is not your fault, but it is your problem and that it's yours to to fix and to engage in. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's your fault. Right. And again, this is why I'm saying I don't think it's it's not hitting the nail on the head, but I think it's naming something really important in these dynamics. Right. It may not be your fault that these are the dynamics, but it is your struggle. Yeah. And therefore, because it's yours, you've also got the ability to move yourself away from it, right. out of it. Right. Um, and and Which I should think that be, that's important. It should be an empowering thing. But for people who struggle with that, I feel like it can get worse before it gets better, maybe. You know? It can get worse before it gets better. Or in your case, weirdly, it got better before it got worse. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because initially, I mean, it was a very helpful and I bet, you know, what's funny is sometimes what I'll experience as a therapist when working with people who are like really, really depressed or dealing with low self-esteem is sometimes me coming to them with, you know, unconditional positive regard. That's the like humanistic term that we that, you know, um, we use. But like seeing somebody and being like, I don't think you're somebody that's hard to spend an hour with. Right. I don't think you're a worthless person can actually be even more alienating. Because they're like, yeah. oh, great. Now my therapist is an idiot. Yeah, like they really exactly. Don't see me. Like, and so it can actually wrong, feel yeah. even more more distancing and more alienating when you're working with somebody who's really depressed and you're being kind to them. Yeah. And so, you know, she's she's probably hitting on something that helped when you were really, really in there as you were able to align with her. Mm-hmm. Not that she necessarily thinks you're a big dumb idiot, yeah. but, that, um, but that she was able to be like, look at what's your fault. And how right. do you change that? And you were like, right. great, what of this is my fault? And right. how do I change that? Right. And so I think, you know, and you're naming that like that worked when you were, you know, depressed. Yeah, when in a worse place. deep in like a depressive state or like, you know, it was sort of like an adjustment phase as well with what mm-hmm. you were going through. But, you know, that like you're experiencing that like, oh, this dynamic worked then and doesn't work now. And so in a way... You know, that's why I, I think of therapists almost like phys- like personal trainers, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like you can work with somebody to, to build something and to work on something and to give yourself the skills to do something on your own. And you may plateau and th- yeah. then finding somebody else. It doesn't mean that one therapist is somehow an evolved version of the last one. It means that with where you're at, the things that that person tends to tends to go toward, the, the dynamic you have with that person is work, working now, yeah. right? Like your high school relationships that worked when they worked – you know, wouldn't work now. But that doesn't mean they were toxic, problematic, or bad at the time. Totally. It, as much as it just means you're different. 
That's how yeah. I rationalize all my relationships. No, I I feel like <laughs> I feel Including like you know <laughs> I feel like you know I like to believe that people come into your life when they're supposed to, and you know that's all. That's nice. Yeah. I don't think that way. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I like I like to think that way. Do I always yeah. think that way? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the way I tend to think is like I don't know. I'm a bit of a nihilist, but like an optimistic nihilist where mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, I don't know. I don't know that anything has reason. However, there are things in this life that I really enjoy and that seems like reason enough, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm sort of like, I I disconnect sometimes from the bigger, broader things. Um, anyways, we, I'm super happy We digress. You, and yeah. I'm really glad to hear like, you've had a big year. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's, this is kind of a nice step. It, fe- it feels like I was ready for it. And it's not a break up, Joanna. It's a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, I felt ready to, to like, take a break or move on. And I think that it took a little bit more time after that to realize, mm-hmm. like, that's the only opinion that matters. Like, if I mm. feel that way, that's... Because yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. When I told certain people in my life, or health professionals that I was going to take a, a break from therapy. They're like, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it kind of made me be like, okay, well, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. But um, at the end of the day, it's like, mm, this feels wrong to me. Or this is not serving me the way that I want it to anymore. And I need to, like, let go of that. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you spend an hour and a half every week talking to a therapist. That's true. This is therapy. This- <laughs> Totally. This is licensed <laughs> therapy. Let's put that out on the podcast. That's a super ethical stance for me to take. Sorry, that's yep. not that's not that's my right. expertise. I treat my friends for free, but only when we have a business agreement in which we have a podcast together. Yeah, and then publish it on the internet. And then publish it on the internet. Yeah. But I edit it. <laughs> Anyways, should we watch a movie? Yeah. We, Let's we watch digress. a movie. Let's watch a movie. I got to choose this week. I am really excited, okay. and I'll I'll give you. Um, so it's from two thousand six. Okay. Our peak peak time. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you that it is uh, from the feedback that we we, we received from uh-huh. listeners. Uh-huh. Uh It came from one of those suggestions. Oh, okay. Uh, well, gotta listen to the to the listeners, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a two way street. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, for guys. once we're the listeners you know <laughs> for once um okay so here's the tagline if you want to chase your dream sometimes you got to break the rules okay i need another hint um <laughs> yeah it's like kind of general but uh the next the next tagline is it's time to settle the score so really leaning into the it's about sports it's about sports it's time this is too late for a Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that would be so good. We gotta do a Mighty Ducks. Uh, it's um, a movie that was suggested by the listeners. That uh, I know. I responded to like all of those too. I know. So I, know, I, know. It's been, I did a whole video about it. I'm sure. It was um, suggested by at least two listeners. Uh, one in that 
Instagram story you did and one in... Is this She's the Man? Yeah. Oh, finally. <laughs> that is the weirdest I know, right? tagline for this it movie. It is about sports. It's about I mean, a lot of other things, but I mean, they it play soccer sports. in it, but it's not yeah. like about sports. It's yeah. about gender play. It is. It's and about cosplay as boy. I'm I'm excited. Um, I, I did not think... I, you know, famously, I said I did not think we could do this movie. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, a couple of people suggested it, and that was enough for me to yeah <laughs> to want to watch this. I so. mean, pretty funny. The gender of it all, especially in the light of like our Juno and uh, and um, boys don't cry. Like this title is almost like low key, like almost transphobic, but it's not about a trans person, so therefore it's not transphobic. Yeah, it's, I think there's <laughs> some because int- I was really thinking about whether to do this or not, and I was like, there's some interesting. Let's dig in. Yeah, like interplay with some of our other choices and the conversations that we've already had so yeah and i'm actually low-key very into conversations joanna yeah me too you wouldn't believe <laughs> you would not believe i love this pick i'm so excited about this i'm pick. excited i'm excited this is my favorite movie i mean here i love this movie more than almost any other animal byproduct <laughs> um that's a reference my favorite's gouda my favorite's gouda um <laughs> Yeah, rub some dirt in it. Um, <laughs> so all right, many. this is a classic Amanda Bynes film. It gave us Channing Tatum it in gave a big us way. The gift, yeah. He'd done like one or two little things beforehand, but this was his first like big thing, I think. Yeah. Not long before Magic Mike. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Or like right around the same year, actually. Right. I think Magic. Well. No, I think Magic Mike no, was step later. Up. Thought, That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, it was right up. around the time of Step Up. Because this movie, I feel like he still had high school boy body. You yeah. Know? And not like he a man body. He was like a body. Calvin Klein model or something. Yeah, yeah. But he was a legal adult. So us commenting <laughs> on his body is not creepy. Well, um, yeah. All right. Well, Let's go I'm watch very this movie. excited. Let's go watch this movie. I'm going to find a therapist and break up with them over the break. <laughs> yeah, tell me how it goes. All right, will do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. such a treat for me (laughs) i forgot how funny this movie is yeah i it's just it's comfort it's so funny um i did watch it i did watch it with a straight male uh which dampened the experience a little bit (laughs) Uh, how say more he did not get it for the first 15 minutes um, oh, she, her acting is so over the top. But I think, you know, I really sat with this and thought, like, you know what? She's doing 
exactly the same thing that like Jim Carrey does. She's doing exactly the same thing that Mike Myers does. And she's and always been that way, like as a child. Like that is her. She's always been that way. She and I think she does it very well. Yeah, for sure. Very well. It's yeah, it's incredible. I think maybe yeah, it takes a little bit. Uh, it is so 2006 in a lot of ways too. Like oh, the the very like, that. no it's homo bro kind of no homo bro like overtones of every. I mean, there's so much like oh my gosh, it, it like they can't think that I'm gay or like you know like all of these yeah. or like feminine right. Yes, there's, I mean this whole thing is about gender. Yeah, yeah. It's not about trans. No. It's about gender. It sure is. Yeah. I'm and just... of course, again, as we said in the intro, like the, the title it, like could be in a way seemingly transphobic. And there are certainly some themes that I think we can like address yeah. and like, you know, speak to a little bit. But this isn't about a trans person. Yeah. It, um, it really is about gender norms. Um, it's about even gender like, norms. And I watch things a bit differently. Like even the scene at the end where um, the like real Sebastian pulls down his pants to show he's a boy. Um, and they say, and like, he's like, that's this is my how boy. you prove that you are a boy. Yeah. And, and then the dad is like, to her, yeah, the dad oh, yeah, is, that's my boy. Right, that's my boy. And then when she lifts her shirt, the mom, like, puts her head in her hands and the dad says nothing. and it, Or, like, he makes, like, a weird joke. And it's just, like, even in that, they literally did the same exact thing. And the responses yeah. are so different. Yep. They are so different. I mean, there's a real like what we would call in like the in in queer spaces or like queer research, like biological essentialism, which is ah. essentially saying that like your genitals determine your gender mm-hmm. and the very like permanent view yeah. of that, which is of course like what we now very much know. I mean, what we even knew then if we were paying attention. Totally. But um what we now really know is like, no, that's just Organs, right. you know what I mean? Like that's just bodies, yeah. And bodies are not gender, but in this, like, there is a big sort of thing of like bodies are the entire premise gender. relies on everyone buying into that. Everyone buying into that, and there's actually a lot of like really interesting like queer theory about this being um, a queer narrative in a lot of ways oh. about um, you know the relationship that the really the relationship between Viola as Sebastian and um, Duke Orsino, mm-hmm. uh, and the way that, um, in in a way, it is a story of two men falling in love. I can see that, yeah. And so there is like you know some like academic sort of research. It's not psychological research. It's you know literature, um, and theatrical. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it is a story of two men developing an affection for one another. And, of course, in the end, the reason they can be together is because of genitals. Right. Um, Did you see... This is a total aside. Did you see that throwaway moment at the end when they're at the the debutante ball with Paul Antonio, who I think we're supposed to assume is gay? Yeah, I think he's... Do we not know for sure that he's gay? I don't know that we do, but he... Like, they cut to him really quick. He's fixing the, like... What is that called? The lapel? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the boutonniere? Yeah, or like the thing that's in the, the pocket square. Of yeah. The really annoying guy friend, the white guy friend. Um, oh, the annoying one, Andrew, the dumb one? Yeah. Ugh. Girls with asses like mine don't exactly. talk to boys he with has, faces like yours. That that face. Boy. Yeah. 
he's like fixing his pocket square and like uh-huh. winks almost at Amanda Bynes, and it's like, what's that about? <laughs> oh, yeah, I never know. They're like hinting that. at a happy ending for him too. I think. You know what's funny is I actually was in rewatching this. I actually really enjoyed the Justin, the like gay friend character because at no point is he like mincing. I mean, he is like a hairstylist who's like weirdly not a high school student, I, but is friends with is, all of them. That was always my biggest issue was why does he have a full time job? Why does he have a full time job? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really did enjoy the fact that I was like, you know what? He's just like a hot guy who's clearly gay, or at least written as, yeah. like, subtext. Yeah, and it's, it's never said. It never has yeah. been said. Yeah. Just a little But there is that, like, little, wink. yeah, a little thing at the end. Fun fact, the guy. I mean, that's how it always is. The guy who plays Andrew, his name is Clifton Murray, I think. Um, yeah, Clifton Murray. He is now. Who's Andrew? The, the like, annoying white guy friend. The face. Oh, the face. Yeah. Um, he is now in this, like, uh, pop opera group called the tenors uh-huh. he has uh-huh. an incredible voice like oh. he was on like canadian idol and <laughs> i listened to it on youtube and i was like he's really good so he's really good n- never would have known it from his performance in this movie he's really good i mean once again it's great to watch any film with eunice oh, I love her so as she much. was she showed up in juno also do you know what i realized for the first time what? that um her a-hole ex-boyfriend just and the the ex-boyfriend justin oh that's justin who's the gay one i thought his name was justin paul antonio oh paul antonio <laughs> sorry y'all i earlier said justin the gay character i did not mean that yeah. uh justin you're right because justine is always exactly. calling right 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 that makes sense um channing tatum mm-hmm. star of step up mm-hmm. Justin, step up star two. of Step Up 2, oh, The yeah. Streets. Yep. Yeah. I like did not realize this. I was like, oh my God, are they going to have a dance battle? And they both do like flips they, during they the have thing. A and they have a pseudo ninja soccer dance battle. Yeah. That guy, the second guy, Justin, man, he is just handsome in exactly the like way that he will only ever play douchebags. Yeah. Like he's so handsome in a way that you're like, you're not nice. He's a punchable Isn't that face. funny? Yeah. A, a punchable face. We do not condone violence. No. no one listening, and we know you're out there. Thoughts and you're gonna are see not them. actions, okay? Thoughts are not actions. Um, thoughts are not <laughs> actions. You heard it here first. That's gonna be our first merch. Yeah. Um, t-shirts that say Should thoughts we, uh, are not synopsitize actions. Yeah, let's quick. synopsitize this movie. It's, so this movie is based on Twelfth Night. Yes, and they even state that in the opening credits. Like they are in very the opening clear credits. They're it. also all named the same names as the characters. Mm-hmm. Duke of Orsino. Uh, Duke of Orsino, it takes place in Illyria yeah. um, and, and Cornwall mm-hmm. and like these, um, yeah. And so uh, Viola, played by um, Amanda Bynes, mm-hmm. famously, is a, the star of the Cornwall girls soccer team and they cut the team because... Not enough girls signed up. Not enough girls signed up, despite the fact that they're all like in uniform and like an excellent team. And but there's a field full of them. There's a field full of them. Um, only one of them cares enough about soccer to do what Amanda Bynes does, which is when they cancel the team, she goes to compete uh, for the rival high school, posing as her brother, Sebastian, who is in London with his band. Yeah. He's got to chase his dreams. Chase dreams. Uh, (laughs) He's chasing his dreams. And and so she goes to the, the rival high school, Illyria. And of course, we already know at the very beginning, in two weeks, the big game is coming up. 
And we also know that just after the big game is a debutante ball. Right. Um, so Amanda Bynes, who is this like star soccer player, uh, decides to pose as a boy. Uh, and it is, uh, hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, of course, enlists her ambiguously gay friend and <laughs> two hot, hot lady friends. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot lady friends. Hot lady soccer Kia, friends. Kia, don't look. Um, I need to say that more often in my life. Kia, don't look. Um, and so she goes, uh, starts to become friends with uh, the cute boy on the team, Duke Orsino, played by Channing Tatum. Who's his roommate. That's who is, yeah, they're roommates. Um, and... They uh, make a deal because Channing Tatum, uh, Duke Orsino, is interested in Olivia, who's the the cute girl at at Illyria, the school. And they make a deal where Duke Orsino will help Olivia or help Viola as Sebastian get good at soccer. If Sebastian, uh, Viola as Sebastian, which, by the way, the two girls being Olivia and Viola is really hard for me. Yeah. Um, The letters are just scrambled. Yeah, they're the same Um, they are the same letters. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so he, they, he agrees if, um, you know, Viola will help him get Olivia, then he'll help Viola get better at soccer uh, in order to make first string and play in the game. I guess we're supposed to assume so, like, soccer scouts can see Yeah, they talk about play. that in the beginning because um, it's their senior year, and so they'll... She wants to go to North Carolina. Yeah. Be a Tar Heel. Yeah, and so, yeah, they'll never be able to be recruited if they can't play. Yeah. So in the in the midst of all of this, um, you know, Sebastian, or uh, Li- Viola as Sebastian and Duke become very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um of course, Sebastian starts very, very awkward and weird. Uh, Amanda Vine's trying to play man Masculine. is so funny. It, I mean, it is, yeah. Although it's quite funny because they make such a big deal about how Viola, whenever she has to do her debutante things or her girl things, is like such a bro dude. And then as a bro dude, she's such a girl. Like, it's like it's, so... It is really interesting, yeah. It's a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is quite funny. Uh, and again, Amanda Bynes gives like a really, really good performance. It is just so weird. Like yeah. her impression of boy, which I think I mentioned this earlier on the podcast, my cousin Holly, shout out to Holly, uh, once told me that when Amanda Bynes is pretending to be a boy, it reminds her of me <laughs> as just I, my life. I remember uh, you telling me that and... When I was watching it, there were like a couple of moments where I was like, oh, I could see that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's true. Which also like, you know, what is gender? Um, I often feel like I'm pretending to be a boy. So (laughs) that makes sense. Um, And uh, anyways, so to make a very long story short, uh, essentially at one of the events where, of course, because it has to happen, where Viola has to be both Viola and Sebastian at this like carnival Mm -hmm. Um, and has to work at a kissing booth, which, by the way, yuck. 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 That's, like, not a thing. I mean, does it exist and, and anywhere outside of And I don't mean yuck in movies? terms of germs. I mean yuck in terms of, like, paying for young girls to touch their bodies is gross. That little boy, like, who's like, you're paying for it. You're paying for, for it, man. Uh, it's he's gross. He's going to grow it's up really, to do really gross. horrible things. Yeah, it's vile. Um, and they're forced, like, both of these young girls are forced to do this. I mean, there's a whole, there's three Netflix movies called The Kissing Booth. So apparently uh, it's a premise that's, although I've never seen one in real life. Exactly. I, I remember I one think it's on like just, Family Matters. It, it's a device for. Exactly. 
and maybe there used to be one. Uh, you know what, fans? Feel free to Google it and uh, and email us, Let and we will include know. your comments in a future <laughs> in a future thing. When we're much more successful, we'll have our producer look it up live while we record. Yeah. But for now, we're producing ourselves, and we are lazy doctors. Well, also the um, typing. You can hear the typing it. of it all. Yeah. Click, click, click. Y'all you don't, don't want to hear yeah, my acrylics hear scraping across <laughs> a keyboard. Anyways, so in that moment, though, um, Viola, as Viola and Duke meet, uh, and he, of course, Duke Orsino doesn't know that he's been living with Viola, and they kiss, and all of a sudden, sparks fly, despite the fact that he's been walking around looking like Channing Tatum the whole time. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly attracted to you. It's like, he's been Channing Tatum this whole time. She was kind of into him before the kissing booth. A little bit. She definitely, like, caught him. Like, he caught her eye. Yeah. But now she's like, oh, now that I've kissed you everything's different anyways so then um shortly after this uh you know now viola is trying to coordinate viola and duke as a thing Mm -hmm. uh and just and get duke away from the idea of olivia and olivia is gets the advice from somebody who is only in one scene and comes in to like she's she's with her at lunch too oh okay yeah okay um, to drop some knowledge that's like, if you make him jealous, yada, 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 you'll get Sebastian. So, what us mere mortals would do. What us mere mortals would do. Which, uh, the, there, there's actually several quotes that are like from the movie, or from the, the play, that always catch me off guard. And I'm like, oh, right, this is, I just they're know using the Shakespeare the one that Channing Tatum says at the end that makes absolutely no sense with the scene, but they're just like, let's... The heroes, some heroes yeah. are made, some are, yeah. Are born courage. great, some of them are... are born great. Have greatness yeah, yeah, thrust have greatness them. thrust upon them, Whatever. which I didn't realize until watching this. I was like, oh, I bet that is from 12th Night. Because it like, makes Of course no we've sense. heard that. Because it makes makes no sense. Not in that context, but they were like, let's just put a quote Exactly. In. Channing, you um, get some Shakespeare. That's what he yeah. he was like, I got to have this. I'm doing this serious exactly. Shakespearean movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sheer, sh- Searsperian. That's serious Shakespearean. Sorry, Shakespeareous. That's a much better. <laughs> that's that's so a much, much better. better. You're right. Shakespeareous. <laughs> Guys, I'm being Shakespeareous. <laughs> um, anyways, so this is where the, the hijinks really starts to ensue. So then, because of this, um, Viola as Sebastian is getting, like, so confused um, about what to do. Duke is now like, oh, I'm going to go for Olivia. They have a date. It doesn't go well. But then Olivia decides to just go for it. And so then the big sort of moment of, of all the climaxes is real Sebastian comes back from London. Mm-hmm. Olivia's on a run because, you know, At night. boarding school yeah. or whatever. And she runs up to real Sebastian and Lil Sebastian. <laughs> she runs up to Lil Sebastian and kisses him on the mouth, quotes his song lyrics back to him, which she had found on a piece of paper uh, that Viola was carrying earlier, and then runs off. And of course, Duke sees this, thinks that Viola as Sebastian is yeah, the who Sebastian made this deal he's with known him. The whole time. The, the Sebastian he's known the whole time um, is somehow like has betrayed him. Cut to, I, I mean, you know, they have a fight. The next it's day, scary. The, honestly, when Channing Tatum, it is scary. Like, he really like shoves him his, out, like his books on the floor and gets in his face. I'm like scared. Yeah, I mean, he feels real betrayed. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because in that scene, and I don't think they were like all that serious and intense about it, but in that scene, it is sort of like a question of like violence against women. But he's treating. Uh, you know, Viola as oh, totally. Sebastian. I mean, that is, it as, is an explosive outburst. It is an explosive outburst. 
which I think in in a film, if he did that um, outside of a movie like The Notebook, if he did that toward uh, a woman, he would be an, an unredeemable character. Absolutely. But because in this, and I, think they, I, don't, in my I head, don't think they're trying to make that point. No, not at all. In my head, though, because I know that Sebastian is Viola, I just remember like when I'm, I don't know, thinking about that character, like I felt scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking about it. It's yeah, but you don't get the idea that Viola is scared right. as much as, like, upset. Yeah, yeah, she's worried, like, about um, their future. Yeah, and so then um, the next day is the big soccer game. Real Sebastian is there now. They rush Real Sebastian in onto the soccer field. Real Sebastian starts playing soccer poorly. Viola is late because she stayed over with Eunice, and <laughs> Eunice was, like, real obsessed with her. Also sleeping all night in a wig. Yeah. I'll never make that mistake a fourth time. <laughs> um uh, anyways, so she uh, gets there. Of course, the thing is happening, but she can't come out and like do this whole thing. Meanwhile, um, Malvolio, mm-hmm. uh, bad guy, who of course no, they named that's, his. I, that's his spider's name. That's his spider, but it, it, in the play, it's yes, exactly. Malvolio, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they name his spider Malvolio instead of him. Uh, comes and tries to do the reveal, but the thing is, hijinks, of course. Now they're trying to reveal real Sebastian as girl, and real Sebastian is there who's like, what? Yeah. And then shows his penis to the entire stadium. Right. Because they're like, prove you're a boy. We're confronting you publicly because we think that you've been lying to all of us. Call back to the you know, the last episode uh, with Miles. But, you know, yeah. they think that call they, back. I mean, they've been call lying. Back to, yeah, and boys they don't cry. Expose them in yeah. the middle of a game to a stadium full of people because that's the appropriate way to handle this situation when someone right. is just being a liar uh, about their their gender. I mean, to add a little bit of fairness, they do say prove it, and he chooses to just take his pants <laughs> down. So they don't that's true. violate him No, they're directly. not pulling his pants down for it. Right. They're not, pull, they're not demanding like, that he pull his pants you, down. How do you prove it? I mean, he could offer an MRI, as we know, structurally, <laughs> you know, the brains of, much, of people yeah. match their gender. Yeah. So he should just and, give an and MRI. male brains are much larger than females, just in general. Well, it, how do I explain this to you? <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> JK, JK, I totally think you're as good as a man. That's so nice. Um, that's this whole movie. Yeah. That is this whole yeah, that's this movie. Whole movie. Yeah. Gender.com, y'all. <laughs> so uh, then, of course, Viola comes out. They switch places. Viola is now as Sebastian playing in the soccer game. And then there's a big fight between boyfriend and Duke, ex boyfriend Justin and Duke. And then Viola reveals her hair. And then, of course, they're like, if you're a girl, prove it. And then she just shows her boobs to everybody. Yeah. And everybody's like, whoa, boobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then which is definitely like, way worse than showing your what did, what did David Cross call it? Your something in doodleberries or something? Oh yeah, showed his Willis and doodleberries. His Willis and doodleberries, yeah. Um, and so uh, then you know, of course, the coach at Illyria is like, we do not discriminate based on gender. Gender. Uh, gender. We do not discriminate based on gender. Um, <laughs> that's going to leave a bruise. That's going to bruise. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they, of course, have the line that's like, okay, good luck beating us with a girl on your team. Right. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, and guess what? They beat them with a girl on their team. And, of course, 
Viola as Viola scores the winning goal against goalie ex-boyfriend Justin, who then cries again because there's a whole theme that he cried, which again, toxicmasculinity.com backslash this movie. (laughs) Um, And then they go to the debutante ball. Of course, Duke is still mad at her for the lying bit. He's having trouble reconciling that he kind of fell in love with a man. That he kind of fell in love with a man. And then um, there's a great little bit where she's waiting outside for him to come. And as he walks up and like, and like, yeah, there's like a silhouette of somebody. She's like, you came. And it's just like a gardener who's like, I got to turn on the sprinklers. <laughs> and she's like, oh. And then she turns and of course, Channing Tatum yeah. is there. Um, and then they kiss, which means that gender dysphoria is over. <laughs> and everyone's they solve straight. gender. Everyone's straight yeah. now. Thank God. <laughs> Everyone's cisgendered um, and straight, and so the movie yeah. can end. Um, my biggest issue, honestly, the thing that pissed me off the most, was that uh, Amanda Bynes is playing soccer with no hair tie, with her hair completely down. That's She's got to look like a woman, That's, and women have long, me flowing hair. angry, because not only do they do that in the final scene, like maybe, maybe she didn't have a hair tie on her person because she was you know, pretending to be Sebastian. But then at the end, when they're doing the other All-American Reject song and they're in practice, she still doesn't have one. And it's like, you had time to get a hair tie. Also, Biggest playing issue. soccer, the movie starts with her playing soccer on the beach. Kicking a sandy soccer ball is oh, so it, uncomfortable it so and painful. Yeah. And they're going hard. It is they, it is serving Abercrombie ad circa yes. 2005. Oh my gosh, that's exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's the like opening scene. Anyways, so that's Anyways, the movie. It's very confusing. That's the movie. Um, that's Twelfth Night. I mean, this movie is, yeah, it's Shakespearean and the and the love triangle, quadrangle, what, square, like whatever, all of that is the Shakespearean part of it. Well, and initially, because of how Shakespeare's plays were written as well, Viola would have been played by a man. Right, yeah. Dressed as a woman, mm-hmm. costumed as a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but which really, is like, even gayer. This movie is about a girl who wants to play sports and be taken yeah. seriously yeah. and, you know, falls in love along the way. But really, she's out to prove herself as a woman, honestly, um, and that yeah. she can play soccer as well as anybody else. Um, but yet the synopsis has no mention of soccer. Like, I think the the... I know. That's why I was so confused. I was like, what could this movie be? I know. And like, well, the two taglines that were super vague were just like weirdly sports related. But like. Yeah. But then, you know, this, this, the synopsis on IMDb, IMDb is like. IMDb. (laughs) When her brother decides to ditch for a couple of weeks, Viola heads over to his elite boarding school disguised as him and proceeds to fall for his school's star soccer player. No mention that she's also trying to play soccer. And soon learns that she's not the only one with romantic troubles. What does that even mean? Yeah. I just, it makes... Also, she's the main one with romantic troubles. Yeah, it's mostly... She's the lead. Yeah. I just, I really, I mean, that is what this movie's about, I think, is this this sexism, kind of like Title IX, like women playing sports or being able to have the opportunity to play sports. Um, right. And what is done in the absence of them having equal opportunities. I mean, 
I don't know if you heard about like the um, what is it called? The like soccer association. I'm forgetting what it's called, but they just agreed to AYSO. No, like the the like women's national. Oh soccer. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. They, U.S. like the professional yeah, soccer yeah. leagues. They just agreed to like equal pay, uh, for 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 winning World Cup. Yeah. Um, like it's all the same amount. Yeah. Uh, which particularly, um, women's soccer sells tickets like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of those things where similar to, to like things like women's tennis, um, where we look at like the history of, um, you know, gender discrimination in sports and like women's tennis sells as many tickets as men's tennis. Yeah. And so, but women are paid less. Right. Um, and so the sort of like nature of like, wait, what? Yeah, it's, it's wild. I, it's just... I mean, okay, so the first thing I wanted to talk about, actually, is about Amanda Bynes. And I don't want to, I want to be careful to not get into talking about her mental health because, you know, as a lot of people know that she has had some kind of troubles uh, after like 2010, basically after Easy A, another movie that Mm -hmm. we did. Um, But I read a quote, she did an interview in 2018 in Paper Magazine, and I read a quote of hers um, that was, this is what she said. When the movie came out and I saw it, I went into a deep depression for four to six months because I didn't like how I looked when I was a boy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really interesting because it kind of speaks to the same things that we know about gender dysphoria almost, but like opposite. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, like a cis person being quote unquote forced to like, pretend Mm -hmm. to you know like be Mm -hmm. a boy felt really hard for her and essentially isn't that the trans experience is they feel like they have to be in this costume that doesn't feel like them every day all the time yeah 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 i mean i think it's a really interesting i mean obviously not not the same in that like you know it was but i I think like a tiny a tiny taste like a sample yeah i was trying to figure out like how to describe it because it felt parallel in a way but obviously much you know much like smaller scale because it was for a movie it was a thing that she could take off at the end of the day and feel you know right you know and you know we don't know I think we could ask her some like follow-up questions and say like what about it made you unhappy Mm -hmm. was it just you felt you didn't look attractive Mm -hmm. was it just that you felt that like you know, or was it that seeing yourself as male was really hard for you and like triggering for you kind of thing? Um, and seeing whether like how much it's gender, because it also could be like a, a body dysmorphia kind of issue or just a general body dysphoria. Yeah, I mean, of- so it reminded me actually, so I was an EMT in a like volunteer fire department for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we had ceremonies, we had to wear like this uniform that was like, looked kind of I mean it was a suit and there was like a hat like it was this dress blues kind of thing because it was a paramilitary mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. and I had to have every time I was on the premises I had to have my hair tied up um, mm-hmm. and when I was wearing that suit and you know for parades and like events we'd have to wear it I remember I really hated it like I mm-hmm. it made me feel really bad looking in the mirror mm-hmm. like I really mm-hmm. it didn't feel right to me mm-hmm. right and I, mm-hmm. I felt like everything that I was told to look like as a, as a girl and that's how I felt like I want to look like a girl and I do not mm-hmm. look like a girl and that feels really bad from 
I mean, maybe like a societal programming way, but also inherently, like I did not like not looking like a girl. Right. You know? And it's just, I mean, I think some people who like maybe don't know any, you know, trans people or have never thought about this or older generations, like they don't understand that this is something like that feeling is something that trans people feel every single day. Right. Like that's the entire experience. Um, I was reading an article like talking about hopefully not every day, but you know, like it's yeah, hopefully. I mean, they're able to engage and transition in a way that feels like they are are able to experience some gender euphoria. Yeah. And I, I have like, um, I was reading these kind of descriptions of how they talk about how trans people have talked about their body specific gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as we've talked about before, there's like higher um, like mental health issues and like yeah. suicidality and depression, anxiety, all of these things. And it makes sense. I guess speaking from like my own personal experience, that small taste of it is like, yeah, that I did feel anxious or like I did feel if I had to feel yeah. like that, you know, as I was developing and all that, like that would just be horrible. I mean, it, and you're you're naming something big here, which is like the this experience of like gender or the experience of living in your body is about so much more than just clothes, mm-hmm. right? Like in, in the sense that like a lot of people would be like, ugh, whatever, it's just clothes, who cares? Right. And it's like, no, when you're forced to be a certain kind of way, when you're forced to... Um, you know, adhere or or conform to someone else's plan for you, like that is gonna chafe yeah. people. Yeah. It's not just about like, oh my God, whatever, it's just pants and a shirt for a little minute. Shut up. It's yeah. like, no, it's more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the the Amanda Vines thing too, I think is interesting because she also then spoke out uh, in that same article saying that at the time she also was um, abusing marijuana a lot. Mm-hmm. And there have been some mixed reports of her, you know, in 2014, um, it was announced that she had uh, bipolar disorder and, quote, manic depression. Yeah. Although manic depression is a really old diagnosis that is now bipolar disorder. Yeah, it was her. It was uh, a tweet that she did. It was a tweet. Yeah. Uh, and then in this 2018 article, she sort of recanted and said, those are not my diagnoses. This was just uh, a marijuana use and an Adderall uh, you know, over prescription mm-hmm. kind of thing, and that she was getting her her herself together. Um, she's since had some more like mental health journey. Um, that again, I I don't know her. I've not treated her, so we're not, I can't necessarily speak to it. But she she I think was going through a lot. Yeah. While making I this mean, movie, I mean, like child star syndrome. You know, child star syndrome. I also like really do think she's she is like people. I think give her this like reputation as like. I don't know, like, sticky, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I just think, like, men are allowed to be sticky. And, totally. you know, they become squillionaires. And she was sticky as, like, a child. And that's... And then, and was, and sold movies as Amanda Bynes movies. Like, they are, like, she was a name. Totally. In such totally. a way. And the pressure of doing that while then having people watch it and be like, oh, God, she's so over the top. And it's like, no one says that about Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, when like if you watch their styles, there's a huge overlap. And she does totally. some stuff that I think is just so wacky that like in some ways you're like, that is such a weird line read, but you're like, and that's what's amazing about any good actor totally. is when you see them do a line and you're like, no one else would read that line like them. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a famous quote that says, um, 
comedians say funny things and actors say things funny. Mm. And she's like the quintessential actor in that sense. Yeah. Like she just, and like that, that like weird bro voice that she puts on that like no man, I mean, that's probably why I sound like that is because it's like, that is not a dude bro voice. Right. That is like such a weird affectation and I'm an affected person, you know? <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, uh, I, I think so her, her and her physical comedy. Um, it absorbs right up. <laughs> like, it's such a weird, rub some dirt in it. Or like. It's like, what is that yeah. accent? I just love it so much. What is it? It's so weird. Yeah. And apparently it's what I sound like all the time. <laughs> not that like apparently. twang at the end, but. Yeah. I would not say, uh, I would not say overall. I would say there was like a couple moments where I was like, okay, yeah, I see it. <laughs> She's just so funny. She's so talented. And I think, like, because she was a teenage girl, uh, not taken seriously as, like, a comedic 100%. You know, Melissa McCarthy is an adult who, like, is also kind of physical and shticky and I think has been able to get away with that. But she started when she was an adult, right? Like, she wasn't doing this from six years old on all that. She And she wasn't taken really, really seriously until... Bridesmaids. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, just financially like an insanely successful film. Yeah. And she just like ran away with this in a way that was just such an incredible performance that she was totally undeniable. When there are so many, you know, like women and female, you know, comedic actors that are unbelievably gifted mm-hmm. at what they do and typically don't really get recognized for it until much later. I mean, I think somebody like Rachel McAdams or Amanda Seyfried in Mean Girls are like giving these incredible yeah, totally. comedic performances. Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde, yep. right? These absolutely committed, dedicated performances. Reese Witherspoon in Election, right? Mm-hmm. Like these totally like committed, wacky performances that are so sublime. Yeah. But because it's a woman and because it's comedy, to be fair, aren't necessarily taken as seriously. But I think there's very few uh, women, uh, comparatively, right? There's just women in comedy is just a totally, uh, it's such a sexist kind of thing. And like there are still people asking the question like, can women be funny? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, what? Right. I don't know. Can straight men be funny? Because I'm not seeing <laughs> I don't a lot get of it. it. Can straight men be transphobic? Yeah. Just look at Dave Chappelle. Can straight men be hacky? Yeah, look at Pete Davidson who just did AIDS jokes in a set recently. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, I saw. Wow, that. you sure are famous and straight. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, Steve, we uh, Steve, uh, Pete. No, Steve. It's Steve. His name is Steve yeah, to Steve. us. It might as and, well be. And you know, we would also interview Dave Chappelle. Um, we got some stuff to say about some gender. <laughs> Happy to interview though and talk about it. I'm sure you're listening to. I mean, um, Steve Harvey. That was where I was going. He also like everything Steve Harvey does is like gender based. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and really, and intense. that's why he hosts Family Feud. He's perfect for it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Okay. Yeah. So this, I mean, really, this movie is about gender, gender norms. This movie is about gender. Um, gender norms, but, gender expectations, gender rules. But it's also about gender norms in sports. Gender rules. <laughs> Uh, yeah, gender roles, gender, uh, the, the way that gender plays into sports. And yeah. this movie really reminded me about this debate about trans youth playing sports um, yeah. or trans people playing sports, right? And I was looking into it a little bit and found some, you know, all of this is kind of 
self-explanatory if you were to like read the argument it would make sense but it's not stuff that I've like looked into in depth before but it's really like the reasons people are um at you know upset about it up in arms about it are like just all transphobic like yeah uh, discussions right which is really predicated upon like there's an inherent physical superiority of men over women of men uh, mm-hmm. that will make sports of people assigned male at birth yeah that will make sports not fair for mm-hmm. uh women if there are trans women in sports and there's these really right. interesting regulations so there's no federal like united states federal regulations about um like uh trans people playing sports mm-hmm. or being uh, in athletics but there's mm-hmm. like the olympics had a council about it the ncaa had it for like collegiate mm-hmm. sports um mm-hmm. and then in terms of like k through 12 it's kind of at the state level um yeah. and there was like and i think i knew this but i didn't really like research it but the olympics had some like really yeah crazy their original kind of regulations for allowing trans people to participate was really invasive really inappropriate Mm -hmm. really policing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. in a way that you know this was what in the 70s or 60s or something in a way that seems very gross now and um i know that they did update their policies so they're sort of similar to the ncaa which is um so transgender men are permitted to play on either a men's or women's team if they have not taken any testosterone. Once they begin treatment with testosterone, they're no longer eligible for women's teams. Transgender Mm -hmm. women are eligible to play on a women's team after they have undergone one year of hormone therapy. Yeah. And I think... So trans women have to be taking hormones because it, quote, would, like, suppress the, like, uh, physiological advantages that testosterone, which leads to, like, muscle muscle growth, Mm -hmm. muscle development, things like that. So essentially trans women, which is really the bigger... Um, concern. Yeah, people, people are like, oh, trans for, men, do whatever you want. Trans men, you know, good luck, exactly. little lady, which again is like <laughs> exactly. deeply transphobic exactly. and misgendering and all of the things. Um, and that, uh, and there's a lot of people that really believe that trans women are doing this, just like Miles said, because they are lying, mm-hmm. right? They are deceiving people. Yeah. And so that the, the, and the really horrific transphobic things that are being said are like, oh, so some man can put on a dress. Yeah. And compete against people that are, you know, his physiological inferiors. Yeah. I mean, this this fraud concern. Right. And it's like people trying to deceive in order to, quote unquote, like win, you know, win or be, get have an advantage uh, in athletics. And it's like, why would the, the transphobia, the amount of discrimination and like yeah. risk that trans people experience in this country? Why would anyone do that? And that's the same thing I with mean, the bathroom debate, right? I was just going to say, like it's the, the exact same thing. thing as with bathrooms. And they talk and about it saying... with uh, locker rooms and privacy. It's the same kind of argument with, with sports as well. When all the data we know is that like trans people are more likely to be uh, physically attacked mm-hmm. in bathrooms mm-hmm. than for them to, uh, and locker rooms, than for them to perpetuate violence. Yeah. Like, um, and big people, like famously, like J.K. Rowling, this is like her... Ugh. The the hill that she has chosen to plant herself on, yeah. which is that, um, you know, trans women are predators, right? Or like imposters, right? Like that's it's imposters, yeah. yeah. 
I it's so gross. I and so for the yeah the and so the term like trans exclusionary radical feminist mm-hmm, is a, a turf is something that is talked about a lot in terms of uh, people who believe this like biological essentialism mm-hmm. that um, you know someone who is born you know an assigned male at birth born X Y chromosomes uh, is therefore a man someone with you know. XX chromosomes is a woman and intersex people are the scariest thing that possibly exists because and the, and again a lot of these rules also for intersex folks mm-hmm. um, uh, show uh, the sports stuff is even is just as intense yeah. sometimes more so yeah. um, and so there's uh, people with like XXY chromosomes who um, you know are assigned female at birth but have uh, an abundance of testosterone right. naturally occurring in their bodies they're discriminated against and not allowed to participate in sports mm-hmm. but what's so interesting is like you look at people like Michael Phelps right like there's like people have looked at Michael Phelps and his excellence and it shows that Michael Phelps has higher levels of testosterone and has longer has like has his actual anatomy is is an anomaly yeah. right it is exceptional and no one's questioning Michael Phelps's ability to participate in sports yeah. right like nobody it like and so the way that like people aren't seeing like intersex folks as like born excellent, mm-hmm. right? They're seen as born wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Simone Biles' body proportions and strength, like the physics of Simone Biles, is very unique to Simone Biles. It's why she is the greatest gymnast that has ever lived. Mm-hmm. Which, and some would say, because of the nature of the sport of gymnastics, some call it Simone Biles the greatest athlete that has ever lived. Yeah. And so like these things, you know, it, it's it's so interesting to see. Um, you know what these huge debates over genitals basically and yeah you know so the the title nine kind of conversation is okay there's these like olympic uh councils there's ncaa there's also a lot of variability in k-12 kind of policies Mm -hmm. and it's really scary for trans kids yeah and this is so this is a time where um you know trans youth may be experiencing kind of those uh, like developmental kind of milestones mm-hmm. uh, may mm-hmm. be at risk for like bullying and uh, discrimination and are at risk for sure yeah and not allowing them to play sports is a just like counter productive to someone trying to deal with any kind of mental well-being or mental health mm-hmm. issues right so mm-hmm. not only are we like being transphobic and putting these kids through that we're not allowing them any kind of coping to None. help them so Mm-mm. and they're excluding them further isolating them um and you know furthering kind of that issue at a policy level um mm-hmm. but there's also biologically kids so k through 12 those ages there's actually no evidence that there are any physical differences None. between None. male and female students um and None. that's why when uh you know kids are really little they often are like co-ed leagues because they're mm-hmm. not significantly different from each other and there's actually a, the 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 differences that people talk about between men and women there's so much more variability within gender within, than there is between within sex than between yeah and you know but people don't talk about that they talk about like the small amount of because i think uh like men are on average 10 percent bigger than women uh, the average man has longer arms, bigger, stronger legs, more muscle fiber because of testosterone, right? 
Um, and so there are these kinds of like, yeah, on average, this is maybe what the male body looks like, what the female body looks like. But there is so much more variability within that gender than there is across. And there's also, there's this court case from 1979, which I was like, the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association. So that whole argument was, uh, you know, they're challenging this male athletic superiority based on physical features. Um, Mm -hmm. And they actually talk about uh, some features that are more like you see more in women that would be advantageous Mm -hmm. in sports. So coordination, um, Mm -hmm. concentration, strategic acumen, um, mm-hmm. there's also, uh, flexibility. Yeah. That they're, they have an average lower center of gravity, so they have yeah, better balance. balance. Um, they mm-hmm. retain heat longer. They enjoy far greater buoyancy, uh, mm-hmm. than men, both advantages for swimming. And there's also evidence of higher endurance levels and lower injury rates for females. Yeah. So there's, well, and also when you think about it, the conversation we're having about is, is about sports. Mm-hmm. And sports were designed for men. Well, that, yeah, So exactly. therefore, gender is, of course, like, they're, they're like, oh, well, these biases, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, that's because sports were designed for only boys and men to play right. and only people assigned male at birth exactly. to play. And so therefore, like, the world of sports is already made to be this XY-dominated mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. It is not made for, you know, people assigned female at birth. Right. It is not made for people socialized as women. Yeah. And so exactly that, right? That's one of the reasons that I love uh, gymnastics so much is because the sport between the the sexes or genders is so different. They It's an entirely different sport. And so they have a little bit of overlap. But like it would be like if you asked people assigned male at birth, you know, XY chromosome havers to compete, there are so many disadvantages mm-hmm. if they were to do things like balance beam, as you said, like higher center of gravity, if they were to do things um, even like uneven bars, because it's so much more uh, flexibility and technique Mm -hmm. than it is, um, you know, and so they give these, the the men, it's a much more boring sport. Yeah. Um, Men's gymnastics. Uh, I'm the biggest gymnastics fan in the world, as those who are listening to the deep cuts of this podcast know. (laughs) And like, it would, it's, it's incredible. And of course, whenever they do like a YouTube video of like a male gymnast, you know, doing women's gymnastics they make a joke of it right and it's like you've got to make a joke of it because you can't do it right they also there are like whole things that are like required in women's gymnastics that are not required in men. it's a much harder sport yeah um it's a much harder sport um so jd what what's your favorite sport <laughs> <laughs> y'all i get intense about gymnastics <laughs> i love it like, um, i know she just saw the like fire in my eyes <laughs> Literal fire emojis in there. See um, earlier conversation about how they, you know, Simone Biles may actually be the greatest athlete that's ever <laughs> lived. Uh, but yeah. no, I I recently did describe um, Michael Jordan as the Simone Biles of basketball, and it was one of my favorite moments of my life. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's that whole debate. Looking into that, it's stupid, and um, I th- totally to your point. Sports were designed for men, like, period. Sports were designed for men. Uh, and therefore, like, the reason there's so much, like, fervor, inequity, worries about all of that is just because of gender bias. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even, uh, yeah, it's just the rule book. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like white supremacy. It's like all of these things where it's like everything is actually designed 
exactly for this thing. And we're trying to reverse engineer, you know, civil rights. Yeah. We're trying to reverse engineer gender equality in a world that is still operating under misogyny, transphobia, queerphobia, like all of these things. Right. Like it's just not white supremacy. Like it's just not designed for people other than cis, het, white men. Yep. That's who's supposed to be the most successful. And that's who gets to be the most successful. Yeah. And that's who probably yeah. wrote this movie. I don't actually, I didn't. I didn't either, whether... but I, it's so like, I don't know. I mean, it's so obvious now, right? But at the time I, I was mean, like, also... this, is, this is what I know to be true, you know? Yeah. Also, I mean, the movie, I will say, for the most part, actually manages because it is such a like piss take of gender. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird comedy. It is. Um, in a way there are a few like ew you're a girl kind of like homophobic moments totally. or whatever or you like you could do that girl's voice that's creepy mm-hmm. never do that again mm-hmm. which like again you know transphobic there's our age old staple there's some nice fat phobia in there Love it. Yeah. Um, where there's like while they're trying out for the soccer team there's one person with a, in a bigger body yeah. and therefore you're ugh, you don't belong here and he's like oh man right. and then of course when she shows her boobs uh, merciful he's Jesus. of course the one that they cut to and he goes oh merciful Jesus because of course a fat person would never get to see a woman naked right, right? there's like it's one of those things where I was like dang the world I mean also like Eunice right it's like you have glasses and braces and you know like you're the fun thing about Eunice though is that there's one character who's super hot who's always like Eunice is really hot oh my god like, yeah, the my whole favorite time line. he's so in love with and he's her he's like screw you guys I hate high school <laughs> Screw you guys. I hate high school. Also, I love the line of Eunice where she's like, he's like, sorry, I was like rude on the date. She goes, she says something like, it's okay. I'm pretty intense. <laughs> or just says something like, most people find it intimidating because yeah. I'm so intense. Yeah. Which I'm like, I kind of love I that insight that she has. Um, I did some research too. Yay. Isn't that crazy? Oh That's so weird. What a, co- what a coincidence. Um, P.S. I almost said Kawinky Dink, and I'm like, literally, <laughs> if I had said that, y'all, I would support you deleting every episode of this podcast. I would support you calling po- uh, Spotify, Apple, and just being like, you know what, this is offensive. Flag it <laughs> as bullying. Um, so I did research into deception at the most, uh, and really just trying to look at how effective are people at picking up on lies. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's not a ton of research that exists when it comes to like comparing people's ability to detect um, deception. And and in the study that I'm that I'm referencing, um, it's from 2017. Um, they decide to look at the the differences between detection of factual and emotional deceptions in both intimate relationships and non-intimate relationships. And so basically, I, I like this idea because as we look at Viola deceiving duke right what is the likelihood that duke is able to um do this so they look at a few different things in this one they looked at um sex differences Mm -hmm. uh and then uh they also looked at types of relationships right so um for those who are research nerds um they're the independent variables uh, in this study are um, familiarity between the deceiver and the observer, right? Intimacy, um, sex of the observer, um, and type of deception. Mm. Um, so again, uh, familiarity, intimate, non-intimate, uh, d- type of deception, emotional or factual, and then 
you know, male or female. Again, these are, this is biological A three by two ANOVA for your staff. A three by two ANOVA for those who are smarter than me. Um, And so the results, what this found was that um, unsurprisingly, uh, intimates are better detectors of deception than friends. Um, And yeah. And then beyond that, female spouses were observed to be significantly more accurate at detecting oh, deception so than their male partners. So um, essentially what we're seeing really lines up with this, right? Is that like women uh, are, you know, it goes with a lot of what we talked about, right? Even what Joanna was just mentioning, right? Like women are more sensitive to um, behaviors and to these things. And so what we're actually starting to believe uh, in this research is that performance cues are really what help discriminate the truth from deception. Mm-hmm. So people who are intimates uh, make relatively accurate attributions to truthfulness. And the reason uh, is because they know more of what the baseline is, right? If this is an intimate person, you're able to see a change right. in their behavior because you have more right. of a baseline. Signal detection. Better with signal detection, more sensitive, uh, more sensitivity to communicative behaviors. And so, again, while the – so the sex alone actually didn't uh, accurately interpret um, – judgment mm-hmm. right it did not it, it did not lead us to to show any differences in judgmental accuracy outside of intimate relationships but within intimate relationships uh women uh female spouses were significantly more accurate than male spouses interesting so yeah so you know in the in the chain of it all right the top is like women in intimate relationships the middle is just like anybody in intimate relationships and the bottom is just straight up men yeah that that uh, sounds right yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and I think that that like really fits though, right? Because as they build intimacy is is when Duke gets closer and closer to like figuring this out. But when they're just friends, he's not able to, when they're not intimate, he doesn't interpret detection. And it actually kind of fits with the story because at Viola as Sebastian, they're like, he's just weird. Right. He's just super, super weird. Do you think Duke was getting close to figuring it out? Because I don't know if that's true. There are some moments, but again, that that leads to the question of like, is this really a story about two men falling in love? Exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, we're all born naked, and the rest is just drag. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that is a RuPaul quote, which, again, according to everything we know about gender, not true or fair or real. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a flippant view. Yeah. Uh, on gender. But again, gender is everything and also nothing. Mm-hmm. But what the real question is, did Amanda Bynes get a scholarship to college? Ugh, I want to know. She wanted to be a Tar Heel. And how did it work? Did she have to do long distance with Duke? Right. Did they make it did, work? Where did Duke go to college? Did he? Did you? Okay, wait. I was going to do a real deep cut, but it makes no sense to anyone who hasn't watched the director's cut of this with DVD commentary. There's a director's not, cut not with the, DVD sorry, sorry. commentary. There's a not a director's cut. It's a there's just DVD. There's just director's there's commentary just director's on the regular cut with the cast. Like Channing Tatum is there, Amanda Bynes is there. They're like all doing commentary, and Channing Tatum like he's wearing a necklace with a ring mm-hmm. on it for the entire film mm-hmm. because his character or like I don't know if this was Channing Tatum's choice or like whatever, but his mm-hmm. character uh, with showing his kind of sensitive side that's like supposed to be his mother's wedding ring or something so that he feels like close to her i don't really know um but 
Yeah. So then what I was just going to say was like, did he give Amanda Bynes his mom's wedding ring? Did he propose? Yeah. Um, but like specifically Are they still with monogamous that ring? and straight white married. Um, who knows? I mean, the other thing that also like, again, we've talked about this in a few different movies that I like didn't realize when watching this originally. They're so rich. Oh my goodness. Like Julie, first of all, Julie Haggerty, we need to talk I mean, about. Julie Haggerty, like, Talk about comedic geniuses who are, you know, not respected the way that men are. Um, But that house or like the when uh, Viola comes in and is saying that she's going to go live with uh, her dad for two weeks when really she's going to Illyria. That it looked like Downton Abbey, like that setup. Oh, they're so rich. Also, like the the nature of like, uh, you know, the junior league. And yeah. uh, debutante right. balls and all of these things has some real dark pasts. Mm-hmm. If you look into a lot of these things, um, you know, goes back to like the straight up like antebellum South. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it's dark. It's dark. It's dark. It's for white people only. Um, it's for rich white people mm-hmm. only. Uh, historically, um, not that that's what this movie is like proactively trying to promote. Um, but hey, this movie actually had more than one person of color. That's true. And one of them actually got to have a real through line and and lines in general lines they both had lines one had more than the Mm -hmm. other uh that's it for people of color um but yeah uh what a movie what a pick i just i have to thank the listeners who (laughs) pushed me to pick this one they really pushed you they really insisted it makes me so happy this movie to me, holds up, but <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, but Amanda Bynes, if you're listening to this, we wish you well, and so we, well. you know, I think about her support your journey. Time. I think about you all the time. I think you are one of the best comedic actor- actors of you know this century. Agreed. And uh, you've been done wrong by. I mean, being a child actor can't have been easy, but I think uh, you have not been given the props that you deserve for yeah, your work. I totally you agree. are a deeply funny person, and we, we, you know, we wax poetic about you in Easy A as well. I know, You're so so funny. This is now a love letter to Amanda Bynes. I love you, um, and we love you, and we wish you well, and happiness, and and health, all and the happiness prosperity. to you both. All the happiness <laughs> to you both. Best of luck to each of us. Um, all right. This has been another episode of Real Psych. Thank you for listening. I have been Dr. J.D. Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Whitkin. Please, 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 please like, subscribe, send a post, a review. Yeah, we don't have tell... any audio this week, so send in messages. Yeah, we have, no, we have no fan commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, send some audio if you have questions, feedback, comments, praise. Amanda Bynes, if um, you're listening. Corrections, Amanda Bynes. Or uh, if y'all Googled that stuff we asked you to do earlier. <laughs> Let us know. Um, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.